0: I will uh, apologize in advance. My voice might not last the entire day. Uh, I just don't sound very good, so I apologize. Um, but we are going to be starting a new series here, three-week series leading up to our discipleship seminar in three weeks. And like I said before, if you have not registered for that, I please uh, ask you to go ahead and do that. Uh, it's a great opportunity, I think, for our church to really be committed to what we should all be committed to, right? If you are a Christian, you are therefore a disciple. You cannot be a disciple, wait, you can't be a Christian and not be a disciple, right? Uh, It's super important to who we are, to our DNA as Christians. We should be the ones who are going and discipling others as we go every single day of our life. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is something that we are all called to do. So for the next three weeks, we're going to be kind of leading up to that, on the fourth week, John Magnuson, who is going to be leading our seminar, is going to preach for us that Sunday and bring to us another word about discipleship. But I want to make sure that we're all on the same page and understand the importance of what we're kind of undertaking here, the importance of discipleship in our lives. So today, if you do have your Bibles, we are going to be in Acts chapter 3. I suggest you turn over there for now. But before we get that, I want to, get to that, I want to ask this question to get us started thinking about this this morning. How important is awareness? Don't answer this out loud, I want you to think about this, how important is awareness. We have all these different months, right, for different kind of maybe uh, uh, diseases that we are more aware of. I know October we spend a lot of time being aware of breast cancer and wearing pink and having uh, uh, different fundraisers and things for for, uh, raising funds to, to prevent that from continuing to happen in our world. Awareness is very, very common in our lives, but not just awareness about those kind of things, but awareness on an individual level. How important is it? Right when I think about awareness, the very first thing that comes to my mind is sports. Right, I think about being aware while you're playing sports. I remember playing baseball from the time I was about five years old. They they ingrained it into you from the very from the very beginning. Right, when you're playing defense, you got to know what's going on. Right, the coach would yell out, "There's a runner on first, two outs. The plays at first, or stuff like that." And we're screaming it to each other, and it becomes second second, um, like. I'm trying to think right now, uh, second nature as to, as to being aware of the play and the situation that's going on. Uh, I think about different moments throughout sports history where the play is played just perfectly in that situation because they're aware of what's going on around them. I think about sports. I think about other things like driving. It's very, very important for you to be aware while you are driving, yes? okay, being aware of all the things that are going on around you. I know a lot of cars nowadays have things that blink and light up when you're veering off. I think sometimes those safety features make us worse drivers, right? Uh, because we, we allow machines to kind of control, not control, but to to think for us, right? They take away some of our awareness because it'll, it'll start blinking if something's close to me, right? Yes, it's, there might be some safety options that are good there, but it in essence, takes away some of our awareness that we might be allocating to the other drivers on the road. Another aspect of awareness that I think of is music, specifically playing music. I have a short clip I want to play here in a second. Uh, Chuck, if you have some uh, volume, you could give me here. Uh, But I want want you to watch this, this clip, and I want you to see how the musician in this clip... Is very aware. You might have seen this clip. This is Harry Connick Jr. He's a pianist, uh, kind of folky singer, bluesy singer. I'm not sure what kind of genre you would categorize him as. Sounds kind of ragtimey. But I want you to watch this and see if you can notice what happens while he plays this song. catch it It it's very very small but it's very very important if you're ever and this goes for church too okay if you ever find yourself at a concert or at a church and you find yourself clapping on the one and the three you're doing it wrong okay you're just doing it wrong Tyrone can back me up on this okay when you're singing and you start to clap on the one and the three all of a sudden the song becomes very train-like it's very chunky on the two and the four that's the upbeat right that's how you feel kind of joyful when you're singing. So what took place on this is the crowd is trying to participate in Harry's song here, and they start clapping on the one and the three, which makes the song sound a lot less good, in my opinion. So in order for Harry to change the entire thing, he actually is aware of what's taking place, and instead of stopping the entire song, he, pa- he doesn't pause. He keeps playing, but he adds an extra beat to during, his, during his solo so that when he comes back, The people are actually clapping on the two and the four. I'm going to play it one more time. There's numbers in the bottom of the screen over here. I want you to watch the numbers and listen, okay? We got it? All right, let's give it a try. Let's go back. Let's see if we can get it here.
1: Watch this numbers. One,
0: three. on the two before you see now it's a little more upbeat with with their clapping and all that it's very very important but the thing is that i love about that is that musicians that are good musicians in those situations can adjust whatever they're doing to fit whatever else is happening when you're jamming with a group or when you're ever in a session like that and you are just so uh in tune with one another you're able to flow freely and the music's a lot better because of your awareness you see what i'm saying If you are unaware, you're going to stop the music. The flow is going to... I bet the crowd would be really embarrassed if that guy said, hey, you guys are all bad at this. Clap with me. Sometimes I think song leaders should do that sometimes. Honestly, no. Tyrone, I I don't think Tyrone's going to do that anytime soon. He's too kind like that. Um, But friends don't let friends clap on the one and the three. That's all I'm saying. The two and the four. Remember that. But awareness is super, super important. All these things I listed... But in every aspect of our life, awareness is extremely important. And as important as it is, the reality of our lives and the reality of the situation is that we all are unaware in different aspects of our lives. We all know somebody in our life that struggles with awareness, right? I'm thinking about the people that... Uh, maybe have a little bit less awareness of how they present themselves. Maybe they don't wear deodorant and you can smell them when they get too close. Maybe they're fast talkers. Maybe they're close talkers. They're just unaware of how their close talking is making you feel as the spit is flying from their mouth onto your face, right? That social awareness that you're saying, how can you be so blind to what you're doing that you are unaware of what you're doing to me? But the fact of the matter is, is that as much as awareness is important, we all have blind spots. Even as I was preparing this sermon, um, I had some ice in my office that I was chewing. My wife doesn't like that. And I didn't think she could hear me in the other room, but she definitely could. She came in, she closed the door, and that's all I needed to know. Right? I was unaware of my ice chewing in that moment. It's a blind spot for me. I'm not bothering anybody else. But the thing is, is that I guarantee you, if you were to ask your spouse or someone close to you in your life, what's my blind spot, they could tell you. Right? But the thing is, is that it's a blind spot for a reason because we can't see it. We are unaware of the impact it's happening, uh, that it's have, having on other people. And when I look at Acts chapter 3 and when I look at all this thing of discipleship, the very first thing that I want us to all become more aware of is awareness itself. The importance of awareness in discipleship cannot be overstated. So I'm going to reread this, and I want you to have that in the back of your minds as we look through the lens here of Peter and John and this man that they, they encounter. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate. Pause for a second. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, lame means that he can't walk. It's not just talking about a guy like me who's been lame from birth, okay? It's a guy who cannot walk, okay? I, just wanna, I don't want to assume anything, okay? Now, a man who could not walk from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from, the, uh, from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave, up, uh, gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him so i want to be be uh, mindful of what's taking place in the context of acts because you could say jimmy this isn't a, really a discipleship story this is a miraculous story i think the two are the same Okay cuz in the context of what we read even 2 weeks ago when I preached last in Acts chapter 2 we kind of finished off with what I call the hallmark card of the first century church right at the end of Acts chapter 2 this sounds so beautiful right we all know these words in Acts 2:42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship into the breaking of bread and prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and the signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You can see it. It's a beautiful picture, right? And it's the church that we ascribe to be more like, sharing all these things, being in awe of the things that Jesus is doing. But then I love the transition from this hallmark card of the first century church to Acts chapter 3 where it's time to get to work. Right? I think this is a beautiful picture because the church doesn't just stay in one spot. This is a discipleship story. The whole book of Acts is, right? The apostles going out and doing these great works, not in their own name, but in the name of Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit compelling them to go. They cannot just stay in Acts 2. They have to keep going to Acts chapter 3. We know that we don't live in, a Bible or in, the, in the pages like this. These are real life people, but they can't stay in this place. They have to get to work. They have to go on to Acts chapter 3. And I think it's interesting that that Peter and John, they're on their way to pray, right? They're on their way to do this thing that they've been doing probably their entire lives, and they're stopped by this man who's been unable to walk his entire life. And my, my thought about this entire story is that this is probably what this guy's life has been like for a very long time, right? The text tells us from birth he's been unable to walk. And I want you to think for a moment and imagine what the reality of this man's life was like every single day. He relies on someone to take him from his house to this place. He relies on people to give him money every single day. He relies on someone to take him from this place back to his house or wherever he's staying. He's relying on people every step of every single day. He can't take a step without somebody else. This is his reality until Peter and John enter the picture and, and things change. And what's so interesting about this is that where he sits, it's mentioned two times, this gate called beautiful, right? It's kind of outside of where the men of Israel could go and worship God, right? There's different levels of which the men of Israel and the women of Israel and the, everybody else, the Gentiles, could go and they could actually interact with God, right? There's this holy of holies where the priests would go, and that was very, very, very specific, Right, And then from there, you have the men of Israel. From there, you have the women in the Gentile courts. And from there, that's kind of where this guy was sitting. And because of his condition, he could not go further than this gate. He couldn't go further and worship with the men of Israel, even though we're assuming that that is his right, that he, that he is a Jewish man, that he's going here, that he's hoping to one day maybe experience this. But from birth, he's been unable to enter this place where everybody else like him is able to go and worship. He's never fully able to connect with God in the way that God probably created him to be, right? He has this this, this birth defect or whatever it might have been preventing him from entering in. He totally relies on people until Peter says these words to him, right? Look at us. Everything changes from these three words. Look at us. He extends his hand to receive something, and he doesn't receive what he's expecting to receive. Instead, he receives a pretty harsh word, right? This imperative, look at us, this exclamation, stop what you're doing and look at us. I wonder how many times this man has extended his cup or extended his hand receiving something, but doesn't want to make eye contact with the person he's receiving from. We have all experienced something similar to this, right? Maybe when we've been giving or we've interacted with people like this, There's this embarrassment that we're kind of inherently reading into the situation, but Peter cuts through all of that and says, stop, look at us, and everything changes. Before I uh, stopped teaching the teen class, we we took a long time in the book of Acts. And what we see through all the footsteps of the apostles, they become more and more like Jesus every step of the way. This is a very Jesus-like moment. Right, where he steps in and someone is expecting something, but they're getting something radically different from them, right? In Acts 3, verse 8, it says this. He jumped to his feet after receiving this, right? After receiving this blessing from Peter and John, where he's restored, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Remember, we we tried to think about what this man's life was like prior to Peter and John, where he's relying on other people. Now he interacts with Peter and John, and he's doing three verbs he's never done before. Right? He's walking that was probably a very strange sensation for him right i'm thinking of baby giraffe walk you know a little bit clumsy maybe but he goes from this this maybe clumsy walking he's jumping he's overjoyed and the last thing is what really stands out to me he begins praising god why he went with them into the temple courts a place he's never probably been before radically different life and now we can see that this is not just a healing. To me, this is the implications are just far more than just a one-time thing. This is the experience of what it what it what it is like for someone to come into the presence of Jesus, when their lives are one way and they impact are impacted by Jesus, and now it is totally different. They see the world in a totally different way. It illustrates so many different aspects of what discipleship looks like in real time, right? We're not gonna experience something like this, at least I never have, where I experience someone who is physically harmed, I'm able to get into their lives and their changed. That's never happened to me. But the aspects of it, I think, are very relatable to how discipleship works. It all begins with awareness. But I want us to kind of think about this this morning. How can we emulate the awareness shown by Peter and John in our lives as we make disciples? How can we emulate the awareness shown by Peter and John in our lives? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. I just want to pause here. This is the very first thing I think that we need to make note of, is that in order for us to be aware of discipleship-making efforts, we have to be aware of our own spiritual needs. You with me here? Where were they going? They are on their way to a time of prayer. Now, I want if you have your Bibles, if you look in Acts chapter 1, when they're in this upper room, they have this supernatural experience where the, there's tongues of fire. They're, they're, they're resting on all the apostles. This great wind comes through. All these kind of scary things are happening all at once for the apostles, and they are kind of commissioned by Jesus right, to go in, in, in Matthew 28, right? But that doesn't stop Peter and John from going to the temple at the time of prayer. I want to kind of, you know, put myself in that situation. Would I be as faithful to this if I had that experience? I don't know. Because it seems to me that this is a radical thing they experienced in Acts chapter 1, right? They have this radical experience where their lives are changed. In a way, there could be a sense of like, do I really need to go to temple anymore when I got the Holy Spirit in me? Maybe, I don't know, but it seems to Peter and John to be that this is actually part of our DNA and we have to keep going. And I only bring this up because I think for some of us, we are unaware of our own spiritual needs. I think for some of us, we had an experience at some point in our life, we've been baptized, we did that whole thing, that was an aspect and now I'm living my life and and I'm kind of just going to keep going as the way I've been going. But if we're not aware of our own spiritual needs, we're not going to be able to do anything for anybody else's needs. We're not going to be able to look into someone's life and say, you know what, I struggled with that too, and this is how I overcame it. No, we're going to be thinking back to the way things used to be and saying, does this still kind of, I don't know if it still applies. If we're unaware of our own spiritual needs, we're not going to be able to speak life into the lives of others. Um. I think it's so, so important that uh, we don't detach Peter and John's Jewishness from what they're doing, right? And we talked about this in the teen class as well. Whenever Paul or Peter, they would go into a new town, the first place they would go is the synagogue because that's where all the Jewish people were, right? And the Jewish people, they're waiting for a Messiah. It's very much part of their DNA. And so Peter and John, they're saying, this is who we are. We have to connect with our people. We're going to serve God, but we're going to bring a different message, but it's because they're aware of their own spiritual needs, it's, it's because they're still in tune with those sacred rhythms that they're able to connect with people. The thing is, is that uh, when, we, when we're in tune with our own spiritual needs, I think it makes us less selfish and more open and more aware to what's going on. If we're aware of what's going on in our own lives, then we can be more aware of what God is trying to place in our past. Become more aware of the needs of others in a way when we have our own spiritual needs met. The second thing is this. This is delayed for some reason. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Acts 3, beginning in verse 4. Peter looked straight at them, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So Peter and John, they're aware of their own spiritual needs. They're going to church, right? Right? They're connecting with their community. They're connecting with what their DNA needs, right? A faith-based community. The second thing is this. They're aware of the needs of others. They're on their way to church, but on their way, they encounter this man who's not been able to walk his entire life. And they are able to see it and recognize it for what it is, a need. Like I said before, if you are not aware of your own spiritual needs, you will not be able to be aware of the needs of others. In fact, you might do more damage to others if you are not aware of your own needs and try to speak into theirs. You see what I mean? The whole, you know, dust, speck of dust in someone else's eye thing, I think Jesus talked about that. Right, we, we want so badly sometimes to be that person that speaks into the lives of others. But if we're not aware of what's going on in ours, we're not going to be able to be aware of what's going on in theirs. And when I look at Acts chapter 3, Peter and John, they go on their way and they're able to speak life into this man's life. But the thing is, is that I don't think Peter and John could have had this conversation prior to all this stuff taking place. Prior to them having this, especially Peter, right? talking to Jesus on the shore, having breakfast with him in John chapter 21, this Pentecost experience where thousands of people come to know Christ, all of these things come together to where Peter is able to be aware and present and see this man and see what he needs. We have the same capacity to do the same. We have the ability to look outside ourselves and see and be aware of the needs of others. Spiritual awareness should help, should help illuminate where others might be struggling. And I think about this too. I think about, in the context of this, I, I really think about Jesus in the way that whenever Jesus was going to a place, he was always getting bothered. And then his disciples would go and bother him when he was off praying. And honestly, when I think about those times where Jesus is going off and he's going to pray, he's spending time alone, those are the moments where it's like, okay, he's spiritually feeding himself so that he can be aware to the needs of other people. right? He's preparing himself in this place to be aware of what he needs, communion with the Father, so that he can be aware of the needs of others. I think about what we talked about two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago about Zacchaeus, how did he know that he needed to talk to that guy? How did he know that along the way, he was going to have to directly impact that man's life? He probably didn't. But when he got into that situation, his awareness, his spidey sense, whatever you want to call it, is going off. And I think the same thing can be true of us. When we are more aware of our own needs, we become aware of the needs of others. And I'm not saying that it's like a spidey sense in the way that, you know, like comic books want to describe it. I think that's the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives. I had a shepherd one time in my life uh, when we would talk about things like, you came up in my mind the other day. He would always say, that's not indigestion, that's the Holy Spirit. right?" And It's a silly way, but I'll always remember that. And some of us want to say, oh, you were on my mind the other day, or, or that person seems upset, or that certain person seems a certain way. What I want to encourage you to do is to lean more into those moments. When you think about someone, call them. If you see someone who seems to be a certain way, talk to them. It sounds so simple. I I shared this this morning a little bit kind of in our young adults class about sometimes I feel a little bit awkward as the minister. Sometimes I, there's some barriers people uh, put up between pastors and stuff like that and I hesitate sometimes to, to, to lead with that. I just want to be a guy and have a conversation. But What I've noticed is that When you offer that conversation, a lot of times people are receptive to it. A lot of times when you say, hey, can we pray about that? People are very receptive to that. And if they know you're a Christian, they expect it. So if you don't offer it, you're being a bad example, right? They're expecting you to do something about it. They're expecting you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lean into that expectation. (laughs) Be aware of those moments where the Spirit might be guiding you to have that conversation with somebody. To have that discipleship awareness, to be aware of the needs of others. Sorry. Natasha, will you go back one? Yeah, sorry, go forward. (laughs) You're all right. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Acts chapter 3, and this is is the last one. Acts 3, beginning in verse 7. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. I wish I could have seen this. This is incredible. I I love this story. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with him into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. If you could get the next slide for me. The last thing is is this awareness to keep walking with others. this awareness to keep walking with others. There's, there's this deep commitment that we have to have with one another. I know that sometimes I get caught up in this numbers game where I need to have more people and more reach and all of that, but the reality is that Jesus gives us the opposite as kind of the diagram of how to disciple people. Right? He had his closest, he had his three, he had his 12, and a whole bunch of other people came to him, but he was pouring into such a small group. But the thing that Jesus did very, very well was that he continued to walk with others along the way. I'm so curious as to how the group looked that followed Jesus. Right? The, the people, these lame beggars, these people who were outcasts from society, they continued to walk with Jesus I'm just so curious as to what that group looked like and how they functioned as a group, what their conversations were like together. Uh, but the thing is, is that Jesus had this awareness that it didn't just stop at the conversion story. There's a walking, there's a journey that takes place. And I'm not here this morning to give you five easy ways to keep this process going for you. But I, I want to kind of encourage you to say that this is hard work, but it's so rewarding. It's hard work, but it's not as hard as you think it is, right? It's this ability to connect with people that we're talking about, this ability to keep walking, to keep investing, but this is probably the most important part of the story. It's not all going to be like Acts chapter 8, right, where Philip has this crazy conversation with the Ethiopian eunuch, and then he disappears. That is wild, in fact, it's probably going to be more like the opposite, where you have this conversion story, you have this discipling effort, but then you've got to walk together and keep encouraging each other along the way. Awareness to that is key. You cannot just expect that person to keep going along and be okay. I got, one, I got uh, next slide, please. In Acts chapter three, verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And this is my favorite image from all this because I like to imagine that Peter and John, they had this experience with this man and the man's not willing to let go just yet. Right? That's what I want discipleship to look like in my life to where it's like we have each other's backs. Wherever I go, I want you to come along with me, but you're not following me. You're following Jesus. And I hope that takes a lot of the pressure off your shoulders because it does on mine because I'm not worth following. I am super flawed. I have a lot of issues. We all have a lot of issues and we're all super flawed, but we're all following a flawless Jesus and that's worth following. That's worth doing all of this. That's worth you know having these tough conversations. That's worth having these people and walking along with them on the journey. But this aspect of it is so, so important. It's crucial. And the last slide says this. Disciple makers are aware. Disciple makers are aware of their own spiritual health. I'm not doing so well. I'm doing great. All the things in between. Disciples are aware. Disciple makers are aware of those feelings within themselves. Disciple makers are more aware of the feelings around them reading the room, taking the temperature, seeing who needs the Spirit spoken to them in a different way. And disciple-makers are aware of the fact that it doesn't just end with the baptism story. That's just the beginning. right? Paul talks about how when you're young, you have things like milk, you know? And that's great, And, and I don't want to undermine baptism, but really that's just the beginning of it all. In church, I want to just, like I said this morning, you can't be a Christian and not be a disciple maker. The two come together. You have to be doing these things. That's not Jimmy saying that, that's Jesus saying that. How can we be more aware of the needs of others? How can we be more aware of our own needs? I think a really great step, and this isn't on a slide or anything, but is leaning into this Christian community because you can't be a disciple maker in a vacuum. You can't do it by yourself. And if you try to do it by yourself, then you're going to end up having a church of whoever you are. The church of Jimmy is bad. The church of you is bad. The church of Jesus Christ is going to go on forever. Disciple makers are aware of the power of Christ, but they're also aware of the power of the church. Please lean into this church. Please lean into your communities, your small groups, whatever it might be, so that you can become more aware it's so that you can become a greater disciple-maker for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for giving us uh, the stories uh, of Acts that are just so uh, sometimes uh, intimidating. Uh, the, some of us look at these stories and say, that can never be me. But the reality is, is that it has to be us. We might not be the people who are you know healing paralyzed people or or... or baptizing thousands of people at Pentecost, but we can be the people who are making disciples for your name. And not a we can, we have to be. It's not about being better. It's not about just increasing our knowledge and all that. It's not about being better speakers or whatever it might be, but it's about being better surrenderers to your will. Help us to surrender to your will. Help us to recognize. Help us to be ultimately aware of what you're doing in our lives and the lives of others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we do want to offer an invitation. Like I said, baptism is step one on your journey of faith, right? Obviously, you've got to hear, believe, repent, all that stuff, too. I get it. I understand. But what I'm saying is your trajectory of being a Christ follower starts with saying yes to him, taking on baptism, and living your life according to that sacrifice. We want to offer you a time. If you want to be baptized, we can do it. We've done it, right? We're going to keep doing it forever. Um, But if you're saying, you know what? I struggle with awareness. I struggle with being present. I struggle with a lot of things. Help me to clear my mind. I've talked to a lot of people who have a lot of problems clearing their mind and saying, I am aware of what Jesus is doing. Please talk to somebody. If you keep it to yourself, it's going to stay with yourself and nothing's going to happen. We want to offer you an opportunity to come forward for baptism, for prayer, for whatever it might be. We want you to talk to somebody today while we stand and sing.